You are now tuned in to episode 3000 of Corporate Lunch. The 24-hour live stream. I'm here in my Balenciaga studded leather. It's leather, right? Jacket, probably. Rubber. Rubber. Leather and rubber. And um, my my Wrangler boot cut um, trousers and Celine boots. My new uh, Homer jewelry designed by Frank Ocean. So I'm basically- And you've got Sam Hines haircut. Just snapped it right on. I'm ready for today's beautiful new episode of Corporate Lunch. Um, Rachel, you're back from Atlanta. You were in Atlanta for about 12 hours. 24 hours. And- um, Great, great town. What a town. You liked Atlanta? I did, yeah. I mean, um, more people should live there. What, um, what did Maybe you- we should all move there. I mean, Will is from there. MAG is from there. We've already got like two power players in the GQ retinue, like deeply plugged into the scene. Would you move into the Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Like, were there extra rooms available, like next to Kanye's? There were definitely a it lot. It seemed of- like a nice place to live. It seemed like an amazing place to live. What kind of access, like, what was your actual experience? I mean, let, I mean, we got a, we've got a lot to, a lot to cover today, a lot to talk about. But I just, I'm just curious, like, you were in the, in the box, in like the equivalent of the VIP boxes of the stadium, basically. Yeah, we were in. Um, they put us in like one of the really fancy boxes. It was our box was owned by a company called Waste Management. Um, yeah um and the box immediately adjacent to ours was the migos box and then a few boxes on the other side was kim's box but if you stood up and faced away from the stage you could very easily survey all of the celebrity goings on did you get a good look in Kim's box to see who, who was there and what was happening? I could I could only see like the front row of her box. Yeah. So obviously but this- it was but there was a woman in the box next to ours who had long black hair and a baby on her hip. And all of the teenagers above us kept taking pictures of her during the performance. And then the lights came up and everyone realized it wasn't Kim Kardashian. And the teenagers looked hugely disappointed. That was a nice, that was a nice tasty detail in your, um, in your epic of a, of a show review for GQ. Well, it felt like going to a fashion show again. It felt like going to one of those big blockbuster, like huge brand production fashion shows because it was, you know, Demna was the creative director of the show. So it had that, it had that mood and that intensity. But there wasn't necessarily, was there, it wasn't like a Balenciaga thing other than the fact that Kanye wore some Balenciaga, but there wasn't actually a fashion element to it, right? No, there were like um, costumed dancers. Like there were one set of these like monk dancers in monk outfits, then another set of dancers in bulletproof vests and cargo pants. The bulletproof vests had Donda on them, but that wasn't done. But that those costumes weren't like designed by Demna. Right. All right. So let's back up and start from the top. You went to Atlanta yesterday to see uh take two of the donda 
album release stream party at um sorry Mercedes Benz Mercedes Benz Stadium and um so like take us through your night like where did you did you guys fly on a private a PJ yeah we did we flew on a Puma branded jet nice and someone took a picture of it at the airport and said Jay-Z has landed Oh, it's which you know, I kind of think of myself as sort of like the Jay Z of fashion writers. There was when I I'd never been to Teterboro Airport before. It's a very like glamorous place, not in terms of the the look or the aesthetic of the airport, but in terms of the energy and ambiance of the airport. Like everyone there is leaving to go somewhere on a private jet, and there's a private jet magazine that I looked through. Um, and I thought, you know, if I, if I didn't have this job at GQ, I'd definitely work for this private jet magazine. Where did you fly into? Sorry, not to get too much into the boring logistical details, but I find it fascinating. Where did you fly into? You know, I'm actually not sure which airport in Atlanta we flew into. Everything was like, like I had it, I haven't been on a press junket or anything like that in a really long time. Like even before the pandemic, I think it had been a quite a long time. And I had sort of forgotten that like, when you are on one of these trips, you're just sort of like led from place to place and you're not really quite clear where you're going or when or why. Sure, yeah. So that was sort of the five. So, but did you fly into like a, pro- a international airport or like, did it seem like you were in some pri- small private airport? It was, it appeared to be a small private airport. And then you were shuttled off to um, the stadium? The Ritz-Carlton. Okay, to check in. That's where you stayed? Yeah. Yeah. And Steph and I had a, you know, one of our typical, Steph Yaka, who's the fashion news editor of Vogue Runway, was also on this trip. She and I stayed in adjacent rooms, had a little meeting. Mm-hmm downloaded our our thoughts and our expectations about the album a little pre-game yeah and then they took us to a, a a um what do you call a secret bar what is that called again a speakeasy yes they took us to a sushi speakeasy okay nice all right so you were, <laughs> you were well taken care of i sure was and who was i don't know if you want to say or if we should say but who who was was this like the record label kind of doing this or was this? No, actually what was interesting about this whole event was that it seemed very, like there was a big focus on the fashion world and the fashion industry and like having, you know, people from who were sort of like tuned into Kanye's universe, but specifically more specifically from a fashion perspective, which was definitely not the focus of the event two weeks ago. Um, so it was, a, it was PRC that, um, that, that put together the trip. Right. The, um, a very elite fashion, um, public relations agency that does a lot of easy stuff. I guess they represent easy probably, right? They, yes. They're doing the, the easy gap stuff. In addition to people like Raf and I don't know who else, just to like contextualize the type of PR that PRC does or like the caliber, I guess. So, all right, give us some more impressions. So you go to the sushi speakeasy and then you're taken to 
the stadium and you just wait for hours and hours for something to start happening as per we didn't even we didn't even wait for that long i mean i don't know how long you guys were watching the live stream but we got in we went into this like vip entrance and as we were going in quavo was coming in and i was like well that means that it's probably starting pretty soon good sign yeah and as we were walking in behind quavo so, so we passed a suite where someone said like Northwest wants more water. So I was like, Oh, well, <laughs> she's it. like, this is all like, we're, we're about to start. It's like imminent. <laughs> I wonder what kind of water Northwest pre- prefers. If she's a Essentia girl like me or um, something else. I wonder if she, you remember those Evian spray bottles to refresh your face? Right. Maybe that's what she drinks. She just sprays that in her mouth. It's the mist. She doesn't drink solid water. She drinks water mist. Only. Yes. Yes. Um, did you get a nice drink? Did you have nice refreshments in your VIP box? Did they have like dumplings and um, Aperol spritz in there or what? A big bottle of Dasani. Okay. You know? I'd had, I had a cocktail with dinner and then I was like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to overdo it. It's going to be a long night. Well, you wrote a hell of a piece. So you, so how, so the show lasted, I guess, the duration of the album. How different is the, I didn't, I didn't catch the whole live stream. I'm uh, off the grid a little bit right now. How, how different is this version of the album as far as you could tell, or have other people, it's probably been written about, but how different is the album? From my understanding and also my, I mean, I didn't watch the full first live stream, but from my memory of that first live stream, plus, you know, the things that I was reading and hearing, it was substantially different. So he did a lot of work in those two weeks that he was living in the stadium. And you had a good view of it all. You could, you could see what was happening pretty well. I actually couldn't, I couldn't see Kanye very well. Cause he was actually not really on a platform. He was, he was on a, I mean, I think it was a bit of a platform, but it wasn't super tall and there were no kind of like jumbotron screens as there often are at concerts, which the other thing too, is like, these are such strange, weird events that I don't, like, I don't know that there's any sort of comparable thing because it's not a concert. He's not performing. He's more just like, harnessing people's energy around like listening to his music while he sort of just like watches people react to it and then reacts to that reaction himself. Yeah. It's right. a really strange. Did you guys go to the thing at Madison square garden? Like in 2016, the, the life of Pablo. Yeah. You did. Yes. How was that? Like what, what was the, that was pretty crazy too. Right. I mean, that was probably I thought it was crazier. Kind of- I mean, it sort of seemed like he was just DJing. I mean, he is sort of DJing. It's, he's just playing music. And uh, I, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a performance type that I think he's like sort of invented. I mean, album listening parties are like a, I shouldn't be like talking out of turn here. I'm not a music journalist, but I've been to a few. And it, it's typical that you would like rent out a club or, a smaller event space or whatever, or do it in a boardroom and have like the album listening party where all the journalists, everybody gets in a room with the artist and it's played and it's meant to be like certainly a festive party kind of atmosphere. But the Kanye's notion to take it on like a stadium level scale to bring in the public and 
do it that way is like pretty radical. Well, um, and also having this like performance element yeah. with it and then selling this like merchandise. Yeah. So the when f- I was, when I was thinking back about the 2016 life of Pablo event, which I actually didn't go to that, but I was thinking back and reading lots of stuff about it. And it's funny to remember that like at that point, the idea of like concert merch and also even the idea of like the high fashion t-shirt, those were two really like new concepts. Yeah. For sure. Um, it helped like kind of launch into the stratosphere. He, yeah, the performances were always, I mean, he was mostly working with Vanessa Beecroft, I think on almost everything up until maybe the uh, up until now perhaps i don't really know um they were often quite boring i was always kind of surprised by the lack of i mean they were they were spectacular at times but often kind of quiet and uh, a lot of people basically standing still for a very long period of time which was like what was always happening or moving very slowly um, but the thing at MSG was just like incredible. I mean, it was, it was at a very large scale and the clothes looked really cool. And, um, and the album was great and it was quite a, a thing to behold. Uh, this seemed, what, what, what was your take on, I mean, the piece you wrote for GQ is incredible. It's, it's, um, I just finished reading it and I need to read it like three more times. Uh, you had a lot to say and a lot of interesting points. But what was your overall sense of the vibe coming out of that stadium? I mean, were people excited? (laughs) Yeah, people seemed really excited and responsive to the music. Um, Everyone seemed really into the, like, very lively, lightly choreographed, like, sort of performance around the uh you know the listening event or um but it was also like it was such a strange like there are so many like celebrities who are really like living out not even so many but there are a couple of like really high profile celebrities who are like really living out their psychodrama as like performance right now like Ben Affleck and JLo are a great example of this but like he really sort of seemed to recognize that this is something that is happening and that he was also sort of doing and then just like took it to this extreme insane level like the you know the live stream of his little like sin block bedroom and then also sort of recreating that as the stage and having these people running around him which is like, you know, you're like, oh yeah, of course there are always people, like you think so much about Kanye and his orbit, who is in Kanye's orbit, who's like on the super inner circle, who's in the outer circle. It just seemed like a very like self-aware piece of performance art, which is also funny because that's not what Demna is about at all. I mean, he's really, really private. Yeah. Um, but that I think in a certain way, like made them a really good match because the themes that they're both interested in like these incredibly like huge grand themes, although they come at them from completely different angles, I think like intersected to create this <laughs> absurd kind of uh, like dramatic piece of theater. 
Like there yeah. was, there was like these, there was this ring, this like video ring around the sort of Oculus of the stage that was playing like hell, like hellfire and like heavenly clouds. It was like, okay, look, we get it. <laughs> we see what he's going through. But I think that made it so, um, that made it so, so much more powerful. Yeah. Then, especially in, you know, what you were talking about, no, with like Vanessa Beecroft, like that was something that it was always notable to me is that it was quite kind of inaccessible in a way. Like it was supposed to be kind of like, oh, I don't really get what's what they're doing. Yet. Like I'm feeling something, but I don't really get it. Whereas this is like, he's going through hell. He's going through heaven. He is yeah. redeemed. <laughs> yeah, the previous performances were pretty opaque and the metaphors were certainly not very clear. And they were sort of more about things like color and abstract ideas way more so than they seemed personal in any way to Kanye or to anyone involved. Do you, so Demna and Kanye have sort of a long relationship, but never really, well, what, he, he, Kanye tapped Demna as he did many, many other people to come on and help with Yeezy season one, right? And before that, he was kind of supporting Vetmont in a in a pretty big and public way. Like, how do those things time? Like, how many seasons in was Vetmont when Yeezy season one came out? Do you have a sense of like the history there and the timing of it? Not that it really yeah, matters. I think Noah, you might you might know better actually than than me, but my memory is that the first sort of seasons of Vetmont were in two thousand late two thousand thirteen. Uh, maybe early 2014 and in like one of the interviews that Dirk Stanton did with Kanye he talked about um Kanye talked about going to the studio the Ventmall studio during their first season right. and that he was like I when you kind of it's like kind of mind-blowing like how does he even learn about this stuff it's really incredible yeah you always hear these like funny things about Kanye like buying a bunch of some new brand or visiting with some young designer or like, I mean, it would be, I would love to know more about where his sort of like research comes from or what his channels are or who probably who he has on his team. That's kind of bringing these ideas to him. Cause that's a really, it's very personal to like sort of discover things in this way, in, in the way he sort of has, you know, it's not, it's not like you can just have a bunch of young fashion assistants just showing you lookbooks and telling you that these brands are cool and that it any that would lead to anything you know i mean it, it does always seem like kanye is really invested i mean do you think i'm very curious to know what the future of a demna and kanye collaboration could be you know he tends to stick with people kanye tends to be pretty loyal to like creative collaborators right and work with them yeah you know, I mean, it's, yeah, well, it's interesting because, like, if you think about, like, his relationship with uh, Ricardo Tishi, like, they weren't, you know, Kanye was, like, sort of dipping his toes into fashion at that point. Um, but now he's, like, you know, has this whole brand at the Gap. So now they're sort of, like, they're not competitors because Demna is at a very different end of the fashion industry. But they're both fashion designers, which is really interesting, I think. 
it would be cool if he pulled off a Gap Balenciaga Yeezy collaboration capsule collection. <laughs> yeah, with Gucci also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're all just hacking each other. God, this, <laughs> this the part in your piece about on GQ.com about the performance about um, Kim posting a photo of the bondage like like mask thing and then um it being a brilliant brilliantly uneasy explanation (laughs) explanation of their relationship two people in a constant state of objectification both submissives (laughs) a pair with no dominant good lord rachel you really did it you really did it with this one i don't i'm like tempted to keep going through this piece and discuss it point point by point but also I think people should just go read it and we can continue to return to it. What I want to know is what, what happened when he levitated to the ceiling, you know, like in the center of the uh, stadium. I mean, because all the videos that I saw of that moment, it looked both kind of sublime and like powerful to see him like ascending in this like shaft of light. Um, with like his like arms and legs splayed out, you know, in this sort of like very like, you know, pointed heavenwards or whatever. But then it also like, to me, it also looked kind of awkward and uh, sort of funny, you know, <laughs> to just see this like tiny speck of a Kanye, like sort of like hang, like dangling, you know, in the middle of, uh, yeah, of this stadium. Yeah, it looked like it hurt, right? Not yeah, it looked painful. No, it looked like Close. he was like, ow, fuck, like, can I please come down? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a great point. I had the same read. So many people were posting pictures of it and I was like, this definitely pod- a great flick to like if you can get that flick off in the stadium like please post that great work you know but, but it did i thought the impact was lost and i was like found myself looking at that image over and over again on instagram thinking like maybe this part is a little corny or there i mean so much of it as we have already said is so on the nose but you know like how many times have you seen a celebrity hoisted by a harness up into uh up into the air and take away. I, it felt like a familiar thing and a a bit too on the nose. But then I also think being there was probably kind of amazing to see. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty. Also, I just kept thinking, I was like, oh my God, the insurance to do this with Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it did seem quite dangerous, especially because it was, I mean, I don't know anything about uh, this type of rigging of, of cable networks and whatnot, but he, I don't know that that Oculus of the stadium is just an open hole. I mean, it's not like he was going up into the rafters where there was like a bunch of structural stuff that was supporting him. It was sort of somehow like the whole thing was a system of yeah. cables. Really see. Didn't Lady dim- Gaga, didn't Lady Gaga jump off the roof of a football stadium at the Super Bowl? Like, it was that. It was, this, it was, it was this stadium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, and she just, and then she like descend. She she went the opposite direction. She descended. Yeah. Did the reverse through the Oculus. Yeah. So it sounds like they've got it figured out at Mercedes Benz Stadium to yeah. how to how to levitate yeah. and you know some of the bit large some of the biggest celebrities on the planet without killing them. <laughs> it's definitely the place to do it to be either hoisted or or lowered at great height by a cable. Um, what was the um, it, it's funny because the first time Kanye streamed Donna there was no the weekend was not on the album right 
And then the GQ cover dropped. <laughs> and then we wrap up cover story with The Weeknd. And in the story, Mark Anthony Green asks Abel, like, who are you excited to work with? And like the number two person he named was Kanye. And then Kanye posts like his text message screenshot and it's all Abel. And now he's on the album. So I think Mark Anthony Green gets, well, GQ gets credit for an MAG as the writer of the story, get credit for him being on the album. But um, did you catch the- The funny thing was that like when, when, uh, when that song came on and everyone recognized that it was the weekend, everyone in the stadium started screaming. I was like, wow, this is a real affirmation for our work. <laughs> yeah. But the interesting thing about the weekend is not really being on Donda or his music or anything, but it's the Celine boots that he wore in his GQ shoe. Right. If he, if you're wearing those boots, you actually don't need to be hoisted into the stadium. You're actually that tall. Dan, have you put in your personal order for the, whatever five inch heel uh cuban boots or whatever i don't even know i don't know actually what they are i i, I think there's th- i think the the heel size is like three and a half inches which is which feels i've tried them on not those ones exactly but a similar style of celine boot a couple seasons ago and i mean they feel i'm like i'm like six foot nine like i can dunk you know it's like crazy they're they feel like they make you feel just like a totally outrageous character but I didn't realize, you know, he wore them in every look. And obviously he was wearing, he was all George Cortina'd out and wearing, you know, different suits and stuff. But I had never sort of thought of them as like a particularly versatile kind of boot that you could wear, you know, seven days a week, just with different sort of outfits. Um, They're so not just for the back. weekend. They're not just for the They're weekend. They're also for the weekday. <laughs> They're for the office. They're for the, it's the, the boardroom to bar boot, you know. It's a pretty tight way to style a shoot just to do one shoe for the whole thing and then change the rest of the outfit again and again. Totally. And they're python. They're python skin, which is really incredible. And he's wearing like $35 Wrangler trousers through like in a couple mm-hmm. looks, right? High meets low, Noah. The styler, stylist on the shoot, George Cartina, who we've talked about and who we had on the pod, is not someone who's beholden to brands and in the way that other stylists might be like it's not super surprising him for him to pull out wrangler i don't think i mean i don't don't really know his like whole portfolio but it also felt like maybe that was a little bit of a john teats uh kind of move to do the the boot cut wranglers in the otherwise designer shoot i know those guys are buddies i wondered if teats put that in his head you guys want to say more about the weekend he released a, a new single today really yeah, I guess he was like, yeah, Donda's probably not coming out. Let me uh, <laughs> let me fill the void here. So Donda didn't actually drop last night. I mean, Donda's not out yet still, right? No. You think he'll just keep doing this? I hope so. That was fun. <laughs> just get a different fashion designer. The next one is like by, the next one is creative directed by George Cortina. <laughs> All people in high heel boots. You just want to keep going back to Atlanta. What else did you get out of Atlanta? I want to know more about the the general Atlanta vibe. I actually didn't get as much as I would hope to. I was really hoping that Will would come on the pod so that I could like sort of pretend that I didn't know he was from there and be like, well, there's like this amazing mall. There's this really beautiful area called Buckhead. Yeah. 
Well, you should check it out. It's kind of like a big town for hip hop. Yeah, you should tell Will about Atlanta. We could arrange that. We got more Atlanta in the pipeline, so maybe we'll do, we will do an Atlanta. We should do with Will and MAG a sort of Atlanta themed episode um, when, the, when the time comes. We'll we should. Sam, do you have some jewel? Do you have some jewelry news to share with us? Right along. Sam got a big scoop today uh, that he's going to tell us about. Sam, I haven't even read your story because it's so hot. It literally dropped like the minute we hit record on the pod today. So you're going to have to. We're going to do this one from scratch. I just know the the barest of bones details, but let's hear it. What's your What's your yeah. scoop? It's the first story in a long time that I've posted from the back that I've uploaded to Copilot and published from the back of a car. Um, that's how hot it was coming off the presses. Um, Frank Ocean dropped not an album, but a jewelry brand today. Uh, and it's called Homer. And it is described in a press release um, that accompanied the launch. It's described as a new American, an independent American luxury brand by, uh, founded by Frank Ocean, designed in New York. Everything's designed in New York. Everything's made in Italy. It's like dozens and dozens of jewelry pieces, plus some like uh, sexy silk scarves as well. It's a bit of a, it's funny. It's, it's, I think most people, um, I mean, I was caught by surprise a little bit when, when I found out that it was going to be jewelry. Um, there've been rumors going around for probably years that Frank was working on some sort of like consumer goods type brand but not even like, like people weren't even sure if it was like a brand or just like one-off projects or what. Um, but I'd heard rumors that he was working at, that he was designing furniture, that he was designing clothes. Um, I hadn't heard that he was working on jewelry, but he has described an interest before, um, like in, in, in a GQ, in his 2019 GQ cover story, he's described an interest in designing jewelry. Um, but it seems like, it seems like Homer is, going to be a, a brand, you know, not just a jewelry brand, but a brand that's sort of uh, a platform for him to, uh, you know, do fashion collaborations. So there's a product collaboration teased in the Homer catalog that, um, you know, has all the photos of the jewelry and things like that. Um, so it seems like it's going to be a platform for him to like make stuff and sell it. It's so cool to launch your brand, one with a catalog, and two with a product collaboration. Yeah, but the, the product collaboration, it's just, it's just like, a, it just says coming soon and it's a photo of a bag. Pretty sexy. You want, yeah, it's, it's nice to launch with like a epic teaser like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the, the price range is, I think there's some, like the scarves are like 230 or something. There's some pendants. There's a lot of like little painted en enamel pendants that are kind of like little like cartoony figures um that are kind of dope and those are like in the 400 to 500 range um and then uh there's a piece of high jewelry that's 1.9 million dollars nice. um, like a massive diamond encrusted uh necklace with these sort of like cartoony x figurines sort of all that make up the band and like the pendant do you know anything about these designs, like what these figures are coming from? There's like a feeling of if I was going to be like really basic sort of anime or like a, mm -hmm. not quite Murakami, but something in that kind of pop. Yeah, that's the, 
I mean, it strongly is that, I guess, um, and sort of overtly so. Do you know who, who who's kind of designing these or what the references are? Yeah, that's the first um, impression that I got from it. I mean, I saw the I, I saw the stuff for the first time, um, you know, basically right when um, the brand like went live. Um, I don't know who was involved in the actual design. Um, Frank has a team of like creatives that work for him um, who work out of an office in uh, in Chinatown in New York. Um, it's like the blonded office. And, uh, you know, there's like a bunch, you know, there's like everyone sort of, there's like a lot of different types of people who work there. There are architects, there are designers, there are graphic designers, there's photographer, you know, there's like, yeah, I don't know who, I don't know who was, who's sort of responsible for the direction of these designs. I do hope to find out. It's a very good concept. I would think, I mean, I wonder how available it will be if things will like sell out. I mean, the prices for a lot of this stuff are reasonable. Mm -hmm really cool and like unique stuff i mean it's a little like like we are into a, there's a lot of like very small independent jewelry makers like bb bella comes to mind is just someone that we like who does cool fun stuff but to do something i don't know like at this scale that's like in this vein at this moment when everyone is wearing all kinds of jewelry and it, it feels really unique i hope uh I'm very curious to know, like, how will they sell it? Will it all be direct? Will they wholesale it or? So it's only available at the Homer store, which is opening on Monday. Um, and that will be located at the jewelry exchange on Bowery um, in New York. So, you know, it's like at Canal and Bowery. There's that like old, that super old school jewelry, like uncut gem style, like jewelry exchange where there's all these booths. There's like a diamond setter and like a pawn shop reseller guy and like everyone who works there is sort of like third generation, you know, like their grandfather, like, you know, founded a watch repair service or whatever. And they like still work there. And then I think sort of tucked in the back is going to be um, the Homer store. And so you can only buy it there. It's not available online. Um, and you so have to make cool. an appointment and you have to make an appointment to go. Um, is the idea currently. I, I, I do think that I, I would be surprised if it didn't explore some sort of e-com uh, situation, you know, going forward, especially if they're going to be doing things like product collaborations. You know, it's hard to imagine that kind of thing only available, you know, at a, at a jewelry exchange in Chinatown, but you never know. I mean, appointment only brick and mortar retail for something that has Frank Ocean attached to it, it seems like it's going to be very difficult to manage, but. Uh, I mean, I, th I, I, I wish I was in, I'm in LA right now, but um, I would, I, if I were in New York, I would definitely cruise by there on Monday just to see what the scene is like. I would be, yeah, you better get in line now and bring your sleeping bag and a uh, Game Boy. They did say that uh, in the press release or whatever, that um, some walk-in appointments will be available, so. I do think it's going to be a sort of chaos. There's some really tasty stuff in here though. You know, there's the, the, the sort of like cartoonish anime pop Murakami style pendants aside, you know, there's a, there are actually some really cool like tongue studs, not, not really for me, but, um, but I kind of, I, I like, you know, thinking of the tongue stud as like a, a thing to actually, to even do in 2021. Um, you do have pierce though, don't you? Yeah, I know, but I'm trying to close it up. I'm I'm uh, on the appointment page right now, and the 
the nearest or the closest appointment is 10.45 a.m. two weeks from today, which is not so bad. Buy me one of those little jester dice. The catalog reminds me a little bit of um, the Bottega Veneta zine. Yeah, it does. Which I guess like Tyrone LeBon who shot the the catalog images is a he's a regular collaborator with Bottega. So I guess that makes sense, but they have this similar kind of like, it's like a catalog that's like very interesting to pour over, but it's, there are no words. Well, congratulations, Frank Ocean. Congratulations, Kanye West. Congratulations, Rachel on being, going to Atlanta and to the weekend on his boots and his new song. Anyone else you guys would like to congratulate while we, as we wind down uh, episode? Congratulate three. you guys. This, is a, this has been a, a Friday afternoon, a hot summer Friday afternoon podcast. I hope everyone appreciates that. Um, <laughs> I know I did. I know I appreciate you guys and all of our listeners, and thanks for tuning in and, um, you know, you know, sharing your thoughts with friends and, and your followers and your family members and leaving kind words of feedback in review sections of various places where you find our podcast and, and subscribing to help add to our numbers so that we can get richer, so we can get better, increasingly better and more powerful haircuts, which will continually, will continue to stand in for our lack of personalities. Um, because that's really the goal here. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're all about. And that's kind of the vibe that we're promoting. Time to crack a cold one and listen to Blonde and cry. Because Donda's not out yet. All right, then. I'll see you out there. All right, later. See you guys.